Welcome to the Executive Suite, a podcast by the American Chamber of Commerce in Taiwan. My name is Julia Bergstrom. I'm the senior editor of Topics, our monthly magazine diving deep into the business world here. Each month, I sit down with a leading figure in the community to discuss management and gain insights that can help all of us in our careers. For this episode, I'm really excited to introduce John McMillan, General Manager of North Asia at Hologic. John is a seasoned professional with over 20 years experience in the pharmaceutical and medical devices industries. As a company focused on women's health, Hologic provides leading solutions designed to achieve exceptional clinical results, making it possible to detect, diagnose and treat illnesses and other health conditions. And John is responsible for Korea, Hong Kong and Taiwan at Hologic. Welcome, John. I'm really excited to have the chance to speak with you. Hey, thank you, Julia. Appreciate this opportunity. Yeah, and you are originally from Boston, but you have a extensive experience with the East Asian market, and you also speak Mandarin Chinese. So, what was it that drew you to this region from the beginning? Actually, um, my first experience here to Asia was back when I was in my university days, mm-hmm. and so. I was very fortunate to have an opportunity, like many students may know today, as a study abroad experience. And so I first went to China oh. and then had the opportunity to come here to Taiwan as a second experience. And that really was the beginning of you know, finding my true interest in what I'd like to do professionally as my career would grow. That's really cool. You went to university here in Taiwan? For exchange or? Well, actually, I did an exchange program through the University of Massachusetts. And I didn't even go to the University of Massachusetts, but I found out being from Boston, the University of Massachusetts had a program with Donghai University in central Taiwan. And that's where I, I linked into that program and found Taiwan and found a, a true passion of where I wanted to be from a professional point of view. Wow, that's really cool. And now you found your way back. So, but did you face any challenges in kind of adjusting to the business culture here? Do you find it to be quite different from American business culture? There are differences. Um, I, I think for me, even from a language point of view, I went to a very well-known university in Beijing, studied for three months, mm-hmm. very long time. Yeah. A little bit of a joke there. But, uh, and, and, then, um, <laughs> and then I came to Taiwan and studied another three months, and I thought I knew everything about the language and the culture. And wow. I obviously did not. And I think for me, uh, you know, as a 23-year-old fresh out of school— to have an experience, have an internship experience, to come back to Taiwan and really work and live in the society was when I learned how to learned a lot of the differences between the American culture and what we have here in Taiwan. Yeah. And now you're working in the medical technology and women's health. So what was it that attracted you to this industry and to Hologic specifically? Well, I started my career in a completely different sector, mm-hmm. um, and, and I was very fortunate when I was back in Boston, I was introduced to the, the healthcare biotechnology community. And so that was the entry point to my career well over 20 years ago, and it's evolved. And my wife and I came back to Taiwan in 2010, and then I had the opportunity to join uh, another medical device company. And since then, it's evolved in terms of other technologies, life sciences, into where I am today focusing on women's health. And so it's a privilege to be a part of Hologic. I grew up down the street from the headquarters of the office. So to have that hometown connection, but also be here in Asia, and particularly in Taiwan, focused on South Korea and Hong Kong, is something that's really meaningful for me. All right. And I see a lot of um, Amcham colleagues or other people engaging with the medical devices or pharmaceutical industries, and some want to make that jump. And you made that jump from a different industry. How do you go about to enter this industry or this sector in the middle of your career, or once you've already initiated a different career? Sure. I mean, I, I was 
about three or four years into my first career after university. I was actually more in the financial service sector. And I had the opportunity to be here in Asia. I was actually here in Taiwan, traveling across the Asia Pacific region. I went back to Boston and through a I would say a networking group and a friend of mine, I was introduced into healthcare. And I think it was timing and it was also the fact that what I maybe had to offer as a young professional back then was the experiences of working in Asia, a little bit of language, the business culture, and the fact that this organization wanted to develop in Asia. And so that was my entry point, which is probably a little bit different than some of the the younger professionals today. Wow, that's really cool though. And do do you find that there are any unique challenges in uh, being a male leader in women's health? Or is that something that's that's quite natural and no problem? I don't really think so much about that. I mean, yeah. males, females, I look at it, you know, we're part of a team, we're part of an organization. I'm looking to work with people that are very passionate about what an organization is looking to do, particularly like what we're trying to do here at Hologic to positively impact women's health. And to me, that's the most important part of what, you know, we can do and make a contribution. Mm, definitely. And you have made a lot of contributions. So Hologic has launched, you know, countless innovative products throughout the years. You have the 3D mammograms, HIV diagnostic testing, breast biopsy systems. There are just a few examples of what you've done. Do you have any specific advice when it comes to launching new products? And are there any approaches that you found particularly useful for introducing new products? Sure. Bringing new products and technology to the region is probably one of the most exciting things that I've done in my career. You know, what I see is that a lot of the products and technologies, and some of it is changing now, but a lot of them are being developed out of the corporate headquarters. So coming more from maybe Europe and the United States into the Asia-Pacific region. And I think what's made organizations successful, and I believe we've taken a part of that, is how to localize solutions, right? Because the solutions and the technology that you have overseas may not fit the markets here in Asia Pacific. And then if you look at the Asia Pacific markets, you know, whether you're talking the Northern region or down to the Southeast Asia region, or even West to India, technologies in medical healthcare can be all different. So I think that ability to have that insights from the market and tie it into the technology that the company has to offer is really, really important. All right. And what kind of localization efforts or what kind of strategies have you guys implemented for North Asia? Well, a big part about what we're trying to do here at Hologic is really around education and awareness. Mm. You know, so we're not changing the product, right? You know, the product for the most part is that that's a technology solution and there's a need for it here in Taiwan. So if you take, for example, mammograms and mammography screening, which you mentioned, I mean, the one thing that Taiwan is very unique about is the accessibility. There's mobile buses. There's nearly 100 mobile buses across this island. And to be able to work with healthcare professionals and the government, um, as well as major medical centers, to educate them on how we can get more women that need to be screened, screened at an earlier stage. So I'm a little bit interested, especially as a woman in this 3D mammogram. Does it provide a more comfortable experience? Because I feel like for a lot of people, that's one of the hurdles to get over it in order to get your uh, health checkup, that it might be physically uncomfortable. Is that something that you guys are working on? I mean, the the medical technology has come a long way in in the last decade. So you're talking about, Julia, the the latest technology. And this technology of 3D mammography has been out just for over a decade now. And so it's not wide stream here in Taiwan, but most of the majority of the medical centers, the major medical centers are using that. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it allows... It's a technology that allows the the physician, the the radiographer, to get a closer look at the female breast to make Mm -hmm. sure that there's no lesions or any cancerous type of growth starting Mm -hmm. at an earlier stage. Mm -hmm. So that's the importance of it. And it's a great thing that's been really accepted here in Taiwan throughout the medical community. And we expect that to continue, particularly because of the national health care system. 
comfort wise, I think there's a bit of a fear factor, yeah. and, you know, that, and that's one of the things that when I mentioned education a minute ago and awareness is like, you know, educating across the spectrum, you know, mm -hmm. particularly with patients and females, let them understand really how it works. It has come a long way and will continue to come, you know, grow as in terms of the patient experience. Yeah, that's really incredible. What are some of the key strategies or initiatives that you have implemented to kind of drive growth and market penetration in this region? Sure. I think one of the things that we're, we as an organization and being a part of Hologic now for almost five years, mm -hmm. and I think what drew me, actually one of the main reasons why I came to this organization is because you don't find a multinational company at the maturity of Hologic with the technology, the leading technology it has across many areas of women's health and be at a relatively early stage of growth. And so that was one of the main attracting points to come into Hologic. And from there, for me, it's been about working with our team to get closer to the medical healthcare community. Mm. So we, we rely on business partners in many of our markets. We also have our team members. I was the first person hired here in Taiwan. We're now a team of six. Wow. Uh, we've expanded our team at Hong Kong. And we've also massively expanded in Korea. Mm. And so for us to be able to bring our expertise closer to the market has been one of the key critical strategies for us. So you were the first person to be hired for Hologic Taiwan, and now you're six people. How do you start a team like that from scratch? You know, a new person comes in and no one's done that job before and there's no precedent. How do you kind of build that up? I mean, when I came here, there was no other team members. So from building a legal entity to also hiring those first team members, that was a big part of my job. And I look back now, almost five years ago, that was probably one of the most enjoyable parts about talking about Hologic, what this organization has done. And, and by the way, Hologic has been in Taiwan for over 20 years. And so there is an existing business or was one, and it's continued to grow. So to be able to really reflect on that and share that story with many others and the team members I have today has been incredibly rewarding. Yeah. And in this kind of growth period and also managing teams in different countries with different cultures, is there a particular management style or leadership style that you've used to lead this growth or what's your approach to leading people? Well, I think for me, it's about letting the team members be who they are within the framework of the organization. Uh, you know, and, and that's been my approach, really, I'd say since I've been back here in Asia for the last decade or so. Mm. I think the other thing that's really been a, a big advancement in the Asian culture and also bringing Asian culture maybe a closer a bit to what I've experienced, you know, in my brief time working in the United States is COVID. You know, mm -hmm. this whole working environment, working virtually, understanding, you know, the face-to-face the -face opportunities as well as when it's necessary to have virtual connections. And we all know there's a, a talent shortage kind of worldwide, but definitely in Taiwan. How do you work to nurture talent and to retain talent at Hologic? Well, this is something that's very important to our organization and particularly for our team here in the Asia Pacific region. Um, there's a great level of talent in the region. You know, if I go back to early, early in my career, I think that was one of the areas that maybe wasn't as known or developed is the talent in the region. You know, most of our leadership positions through the working level are here hired in the region. Yeah. But what, what's important is that these team members want to know that there's a future, right? They want growth opportunity on the job. And so I think that's something we're always looking at, how to provide more on-the-job opportunities. And then other opportunities, whether it's, you know, classroom and some outside education that can facilitate that is also very important. That's incredible. And do you, do you guys work a lot with hospitals and patients as well so that people can see kind of the effect that their work is having on people? We do. And we've been doing more and more of that. And I think, Julia, that's one of the things that's really made my experience here at Hologic so unique and special. If I go back to my earlier parts of my career, I don't think 
I had those opportunities and maybe they weren't as visible in terms of other than just the products. Yeah. We're talking a lot with our customers about customer experience, you know, so service levels, that's number one, mm-hmm. or one of our key uh, drivers. And then when you look at patients, you know, I mentioned it a bit earlier, just around education and awareness. I mean, how can we work with patient groups and associations and work with some of these other stakeholders to ensure more women are getting their screening, whether it's for breast screening or even cervical cancer screening. And the other area could be even around sexually transmitted infectious diseases, which yeah. is another area that's very strong in our organization. Yeah. So looking ahead toward the future, what do you see as the kind of future trends and challenges in terms of women's health and especially cancer? And how is Hologic preparing to address them in this market? Well, one of the challenges I see right now is really around prevention, Mm -hmm. you know, and meaning like our women, and this doesn't even necessarily mean just women. It could be just people in society going to see their doctor actually before it's too late. And so that's one of the things that Hologic has been embarking on over the last couple of years with the introduction of the Global Women's Health Index. Mm -hmm. And Taiwan scored number one in terms of overall health of women across the globe. And this was arrayed around basic needs education, obviously emotional health, and just medical health of the female. So that's been something that's been really, really prominent and helpful for us to go out there and talk with, you know, medical professionals. Now, the prevention side is something not just Taiwan, but the globe needs to work on. If you look at over the last year or so, only 12% of women and girls around the world went to get a cancer test, a heart test, or it could be a sexually tested infectious disease test. So those are some areas that really need to be focused on. So that's a challenge. Now, the opportunities you look to the future, which you just mentioned, what this is more of my personal opinion. It's really around becoming about personalized medicine. And that's come a long way over the last decade and will continue to grow. I mean, one of the hot topics you've heard over the last five or so years is around AI, artificial yeah. intelligence. So bringing more of that technology into our portfolio, which we have today, mm-hmm. and we're going to continue to grow that. And then also bringing healthcare, again, what I believe is closer to home. You know, so the patient, the women, the the girls, even the the males out there can do a lot of that almost a pre-testing at home Mm -hmm. to be ahead of the, you know, the disease state. That's really fantastic. Wait, I want to hear more about the AI. What kind of AI do you guys use? Well, again, it's becoming more personalized, right? And so what happened right now with in our 3D mammography, it's really about, you know, using that machine-based learning to see how cancerous cells may be expanding and growing in the female breast area. And so you think about that, right? You can get a, a shot of the you know, the image today, and you can really look at it very closely by a medical professional to see, okay, is it really cancerous? Mm. And what treatment options are available now to address it? Yeah. Wow, that's really incredible. I need to book my health checkup after this so we, so we can Please work do. on Please prevention. Do, yeah. <laughs> so maybe someone listening to this is very enticed and interested in working maybe for Hologic or in the medical devices industry. Uh, so as a seasoned professional, I want to ask you what kind of advice you want to give to young professionals who, who want to succeed in your industry. And how important is medical knowledge to do what you do? Sure. Well, let me, let me ask the, answer the first part of your question around just some advice to young professionals that are out there. I think the first thing for me, right, and this is my advice, is that you need to find something. Every individual in the professional career world needs to find a passion and an interest that really inspires them on an everyday basis. Mm. So I was fortunate enough to have another career experience to start off. Yeah. And, that, and that gave me a lot of interest, but I'd say that passion for doing something for the healthcare community locally, regionally, and globally was not even 
it's something I thought of. And so to come into healthcare and see what healthcare solutions, products, what it is doing to our communities around the world, that inspires me every day. So I think that's to answer your first question. Now, in terms of medical healthcare terminology, it's very, very important. Mm-hmm. I, I was very fortunate early on in my career, again, coming from a maybe a non-traditional healthcare background to have the opportunity into this segue. Mm. But I think the other thing that, you know, for young professionals out there, it may not be just healthcare knowledge that you have. I mean, we talked about AI. There's a lot of need now for these technologists who understand how to write algorithms. You know, so if you're looking at, you know, engineering, right, that's really important. Obviously, research and development and science, that's important as well. But there's other ways into this area, especially if you're primarily if you have the passion and you want to be in healthcare. That's incredible. And why do you think they should be in healthcare? What's your pitch for prospective candidates to work for you or for the medical devices or healthcare industry? Well, I think it's just more of how I look at my personal life every day. Mm -hmm. You know, my family that's around me. So if I take my wife, my mother, my son, you know, health all starts from that infrastructure of your family, right? And then you bridge it off to your extended family, your friends that you're close with. To be able to again, be a part of healthcare and know that you're contributing every day to society, to me, is um, you know, just an invaluable experience. Definitely. It must be. Let's move away from work a little bit because we can't all be working all the time. So when you're not at work, what do you like to do to relax and recharge and kind of get your mind off mm-hmm. business? And that's so important these days. You know, I think we all had our experiences in COVID, right? I mean, we could work and we could work and we can work. You know, for me, this time over the last few years is really just, you know, being at home with the family, seeing my son grow up. So a big thing I like to do in my time away is spending time with my seven-year-old son. Yeah. You know, he's learning drums right now. So to see, take him to class, you know, see him experiencing something and doing really well and having that passion, you know, as a parent, that just you know, blows you away with excitement. So that's a big part of, um, you know, what I I do in my spare time. I mean, the other part too, the weather being so hot, I really, really enjoy the beach. You know, I'm from an area back in the United States where beaches, you know, getting out to the ocean has been part of my growing up. And to be able to do that here in Taiwan is also really fun as well. That's really cool. And having a a child that's born not in your home country. What has that been like to retain the connection to the U.S. and to kind of American culture? Do you guys go back a lot? It must have been difficult during COVID, I guess, to go back and visit family. It was, yeah. You know, this trip coming up will be the first one in five years for my son and and my wife to go back. Uh, Yeah, obviously technology has played a big factor, right? I mean, having the accessibility to the internet, you know, television shows, you know, the latest trends. So I actually at times feel, actually not at times, most of the time feel my son is more connected to the U.S. than even I am. So that's one of the things I find to be quite intriguing. You talk about like culture. I mean, it was interesting a a couple of years ago because my wife is Taiwanese and I'm an American. And so language is a bit of a dynamic and it's a good one in our household. My wife speaks Chinese and I speak English. If you go back three years ago, I was always speaking to my son in Chinese. Oh, really? And my wife would say to me, you have to speak to your son in English. Yeah. I mean, he's... And so um, it's interesting how that's evolved. And, you know, I just remember also, too, looking back a couple of years ago, how people would even laugh at us, like two foreigners speaking in Chinese. Oh. I guess I kind of liked it, but I was more yeah. used to it, if anything. But now to see it flip around. And so we do have more of that English relationship now. And my wife, she manages the Chinese. Oh, that's really cool. You see split those 
split yeah. the the languages up. I think my son he decided that. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it must be good for his development as well. That's really cool. I, I think so too. I mean, the, the culture experience. I, I hope when he gets older, he can look at it and say, "Well, he had a great experience." You know, growing up in Taiwan, that Asian culture, the Mandarin language, and, and just seeing things in a different way, but also being able to tie it back to the U.S. Yeah, that's fantastic. Tying back to uh, your U.S. background, I mentioned you're from Boston, so. This、uh, podcast is called Executive Sweet S W E E T、uh, because we do love to be sweet, but also eat sweets at Amcham. So I want to ask a final dessert-related question. So you're from Boston, and so I want to ask you about pie because Boston is very famous for its、uh, Boston cream pie, right? But is that your favorite type of pie? What pie do you recommend for people to try? Well, you're really testing me now here, Julia. <laughs>、um, yeah, I'll, I'll take everyone to the, to the holiday season. So,、uh-huh. what, one of the you know one of my favorite holidays in the United States is Thanksgiving. Yeah. And、uh, my aunt who has passed away, but she's passed the recipe on to her, her my cousins is apple pie.、Mm. Yeah, apple pie at Thanksgiving in the cold weather, and then you have the turkey dinner followed by some apple pie with the family that's around you. Is one of the best recipes I could recommend to anyone. That's incredible. Warmth all around. I was afraid、mm-hmm. you were. Gonna say、um, pumpkin pie because we our first podcast guest Sandra Outkirk from AIT says she absolutely not pumpkin pie. <laughs> oh, is that right? Okay.、Um. So, but apple pie that's approved. So, as a token of appreciation for coming on today, I wanted to share the most memorable sweet、uh, mentioned by our last guest, which was Patrick Lin, the new Amcham Taiwan president, and it's gummy bears. So well, my, my son, little... my son will be thrilled. I mean, that's what we just we, we were just talking about gummy bears the other day.、So. Oh, really? <laughs> so we have both gummy bears and some、uh, gaming themed special gummies as a little token of our appreciation for being on here today. So thank you very much for lending us your time, John. Oh, well, thank you, Julia. It was a pleasure. Yeah, and、uh, we'll see you at the next Amcham event. I look forward to.、It. This was the Executive Suite, an audio version of what we cover each month in topics from the American Chamber of Commerce in Taiwan. We are now in print, online, and wherever good podcasts are found. In this feed, we will also be bringing you monthly updates on the major domestic and international beats moving Taiwan. This program was created with help from Ghost Island Media, Taiwan's leading podcast label. Make sure you check out their other shows. I'm Julia Bergstrom, and I'll see you next month.